Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from the Rock of Gainesville. I'm going back to something that Pastor actually started about three weeks ago on overcoming. And then Pastor Jamie came back behind that. And then Pastor Ron came behind that with overcoming adversity. And that's where I'm going this morning, overcoming adversity. It's just something, guys, that uh, it, it's just sitting in me so, uh, so strongly. Because as you've heard me say, and I said it two weeks ago, that just seems to be the mantra of our spiritual lives. Uh, we're going through different situations, trials, whatever you want to call them. We're going through the fire. Uh, and as I told you, the, the, the quote that I have given you for years, my quote is the process of our spiritual journey is that we're there, we are either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or going into a trial. And that's just kind of the process of what we face a lot of times. You know, I didn't sign up for this even though I got the t-shirt. It's just kind of the way it flows sometimes. And so what I want to be able to do, as I told you a couple of weeks ago, is help us understand adversity a little bit better. And one of the first things I would say is we go through adversity not because we serve a mean God. To the contrary, we go through adversity because we serve a very loving God. A God that wants to grow us up and mature us and cause us to be stronger and go through victory. But in order to do that, there is that process of adversity that we kind of have to walk through. And it's it's not always a fun process, but it's something that will do a phenomenal work in you and me if we let that work take place. You know, I was thinking a couple of days ago, one of my favorite illustrations of just going through the process of the fire is in the book of Malachi where the silversmith is, is purifying the silver, and he turns up the heat, and the impurities come to the top, and he wipes off those impurities, and he turns up the heat a little more, and the impurities come to the top again, and he wipes off the impurities. And that process, get this now, guys, come on, don't miss this, that process continues until he can look over and see his reflection in the silver. Mm. Mm. And that's what the Father is doing in you and me today. He's turning up the heat because He wants to see His reflection in you. He wants to see the gorgeous reflection of the Father in you. And so it's not really fun to go through, but ultimately the victory that we see is pretty incredible. So in changing our perspective, and I told you this two weeks ago, one of the things I want to do is change our perspective to adversity, because if I say the word adversity to you or to me, so many times my mind automatically goes to something that has a negative connotation. Adversity. Why am I going through this? Why do I have to face this battle? Why is it so hard? God, why are you doing this to me? How long is this going to last? Have you ever asked those questions? Come on, don't lie to me now. You're in church. And so I want to change our perspective and and when we say adversity why we see some different things here it is number one write it down here's what adversity does adversity develops a firmness of character adversity develops a firmness of character i go through adversity 
and the character of the Father is firmed up and formed in me to create a foundation of this right here. I will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water and I will not be moved. So it develops a firmness of character. Number two, it develops an ability to bounce back. Adversity develops an ability to bounce back. I go through adversity and I may go through it great or I may really stink at it. But it doesn't matter when it's all said and done because I have the Father in me. I go through that and I have ability. Come on now. God gives me the ability to have another chance. How many of you are glad for a second chance? Woo! Oh, you missed a good place to shout. How many of you are glad for a second chance? Mm. So am I. You know, one of the great things that's overlooked in the game of basketball, one of the characteristics is rebounding. Man, we love to knock down that three. Come on, somebody. Hit that three and then take the victory trot down to the other end. But one of the characteristics of the game that's overlooked way too often is rebounding. Why? Because it's just kind of the poor man's mantra of basketball. It's hard. It's hard work. You know, uh, what does rebounding do? Now, I just think about it. John, what the, what, it gives me another chance, right? It gives me, I missed, man. I, now, I never missed. I don't know about you guys, but I never missed. <laughs> Quick story. It was, it's not in my notes, but we were playing one night. It was my freshman year of college. And we were playing one night, and I, guys, I had one of those games, Nigel, I had one of those games where I could have drop kicked it from 30 and it would have gone in. I mean, I was just, I was hot. And we go to the locker room and Dr. Lewis, our head coach, looks at me and he says, Hyatt, you're hot as a $2 radio. <laughs> so I never missed. But if I missed, there was somebody there to get a rebound. There's a guy that made his name in basketball and made it to the Hall of Fame because he was a great rebounder and defensive player. Now, we never knew what color his hair was going to be, but Dennis Rodman made it to the Hall of Fame because he was a great rebounder. And somebody would shoot and miss, and he would grab that rebound and give the Chicago Bulls another chance. And that's what adversity does in your life and my life. It gives me another chance. Number three, it develops a firmness of character. It creates an ability to bounce back and this is, the, this is the key that we're going to turn in, guys. It creates single-mindedness. It creates single-mindedness. Now, we're going to talk about double-mindedness in just a moment. One of the reasons that single-mindedness is so important is because of the principle I gave you two weeks ago, that most people fail not because there's not enough faith in them, there's not enough uh, power in them, there's not enough God in them. Most People fail because of broken focus. And whatever has your focus has you mastered. And so what I've got to do, here's the, here's the answer to it. The Bible says this, a double-minded man is what? Keep on going. In all of his ways. But Jesus gave us the answer to that when he said this, if your eye is single, then what? Your whole body is full of light. All of my adversity is full of light. All of my challenges are full of light. 
And so what I've got to be able to do is be single-minded. But what happens is the enemy wants the fragmentation of our thinking and the fragmentation of our soul to rule so that my mind, my thought process, my vision is all over the place. And here's what being double-minded does. Write it down. Number one, being double-minded looks for answers. I love this right here. That's the first time I've said it, right? Right? That's the first time I said it, correct? I bet you a dollar to a donut, there'll be another, okay? Being double-minded, I love this, looks for answers in people, places, or things. See, when I'm double-minded, I'm looking for you for the answer. And guess what? You ain't got it. You're really great. I love you to death, but you ain't got it. But when I'm double-minded, I'm looking into people for the answers. I'm looking for places if I could only go get another job. Pastor Ball said something one time that hit me right between the eyes because I lived it for 20 years. He said, what most men believe they need is a paycheck and a new location. If I can just go somewhere and get a job and still get paid, all this trouble that's been following me for years will go away. Guess what, baby? You're taking it with you. Until there's the redeeming power of God in your life and my life, I'm taking my junk and funk with me, and what's going to happen is I'm going to live in it until I let God do His perfect work. I look in people, places, and things. If I, if, I, man, if, I had, if I had more money in my checking account, if I had more dollar bills, everything would be great. No, 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 no. Double-mindedness looks for the answers in people, places, and things. Double-mindedness moves us to an irrational response. If I'm looking for you, I love you now. Don't misunderstand me. You're the best. But if I'm looking for you alone for my answer, I'm going to end up doing something stupid. Come on now. It moves me to an irrational response. It causes, number three, it causes me to quit. Listen, let me encourage you just a minute. Look at Pastor Ron for a second. If you are going through adversity, do not be weary in well-doing. Don't do it, man. Keep plugging. I mean, there may be times you feel like you're having to crawl through. Then crawl, baby. Yeah. You know, if you don't feel like you can walk or run, then crawl because God will get you to the other side. Just don't be weary in well-doing. I hear people tell me a lot. They say, well, Pastor Ron, if I'm going through this, I must be doing something wrong. To the contrary, you could be going through adversity because you're doing something right. And you have made the enemy mad as mad as mad as mad as mad as mad as mad. I can't say the word. You may be doing something right, but what the enemy wants to do is as you go through that adversity, here it is, Daniel chapter 9, wear down the saints. Daniel chapter 9. One of the greatest tools of the enemy in the last days is the wearing down of the saints. And so what the enemy wants to do is cause us to quit. And then being double-minded forms an only me mentality. If I'm here and everything's okay, then I, I guess it's, it's all me. I'm okay. I'm doing all right. It's, it's all me. And you know what that is? Come on now. Come on now. That is what we call isolation. And isolation will eat our lunch. Man, you guys are pulling this out of me this morning. How long have I been going? 
Amen. So, double-mindedness looks for answers in people, places, and things. It moves us to an irrational response. It causes me to quit, and it forms in me an only me mentality. Now, here's the Bible background for what we want to talk about today, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is a wonderful, wonderful book. If you haven't read 2 Timothy, go home and read it this afternoon. It'll take you about an hour. Incredible, incredible book. 2 Timothy, and here's the context of 2 Timothy. It's Paul's final book. A lot of people call it his last will and testament. And how many times have you and I said, I want to hear and pay attention to the last thing somebody says before they leave planet Earth? I want to hear what they have to say. Well, here it is. 2 Timothy is Paul's last will and testament. He's in prison. Now, I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed, but I've been here a while. How many of you would agree with me that prison might be considered adversity? I'm going to go out on a limb here. Might be considered adversity. Number three, the church is in crisis. And number four, Paul feels abandoned. So it is a perfect scenario and setting for what it means to overcome adversity. All right, let's read. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did. Now, I'm going to read a little bit of Scripture, so just be patient with me, okay? Is that all right? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which, now pay attention to this, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, 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 that word's going to be used a few times in this passage, now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Here we go. For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Man, you missed a good place to shout. Oh, you still missed a good place to shout. Okay, you're getting a little better. You're getting warmed up here. You're loosening it up. Come on. He did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Uh, All right, verse 8. So don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us into a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Here we go. Yet I am not ashamed, because I know who I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that's what I've committed to him, unto him against that day. I am persuaded he's not going to walk out on me. He's going to keep it. Going through adversity? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going through adversity. But look at what it says. I am persuaded. Say that. I love that word. Say it out loud. Persuaded. Say it one more time. 
Say it one more time. Persuaded. Persuaded. I ain't giving up, baby. I ain't giving up. Hey, this thing ain't going. This thing ain't going to shuck and jive me. I'm persuaded that he is. Okay, here we go. Let's unpack this. I'm going to give you three simple principles that if you'll get your eyes on them and your perspective is correct, you will walk through adversity well every time. And I'm going to give you a money-back guarantee. So here we go. Number one, write it down. Can I go ahead and say it? I love this. Yeah, thank you. I love this one. I really do. Number one, write it down. If you're going to go through adversity, when I go through adversity, guys, I need a point of reference. You got me? I need a point of reference. Pastor George always talks about pilots having a point of reference. And as long as they stay on that point, they're going to reach their destination. But if they get off just a little bit, they're going to leave Gainesville and end up in Los Angeles. i got to have a point of reference. What is the first point of reference to walking through and overcoming adversity? Write it down. Remember your spiritual heritage. Where'd you come from? What you got? What's in you that's going to stand the test of time? So that when the enemy comes against you, you got a point of reference. My mama did it. My daddy did it. My pastor did it. My friends did it. I can do it. Man, man let, me, let me read it. Look at verse 3. Here we go. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of you. Here it is. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice. Eunice. What you got in you? Man, I, I, love, I love talking to some of you guys, even when you're going through a hard time. And I love looking at you square in the eye and say, hang in there, baby. You're going to make it. You come from good stock. You got a good background. Man, I, I love thinking about my dad, my dad being in a barracks in Saigon, Vietnam, and bombs bursting all over around him, and him standing in the barracks and that foxhole and that, uh, that, that uh, area that's getting bombed, and literally what's coming out of him is not, oh God, why are you doing this to me? What's coming out of him is, God, you get me out of here, I'll serve you the rest of the days of my life. I love thinking about that because when I've got the bombs of life going off around me, my point of reference is, God, you got him through, you'll get me through too. You guys, you guys know the story of Mama Hyatt? Don't you? You probably know it better than I do. For years, up at, up at 2 o'clock every morning, praying until 6 o'clock every morning, and just standing in the gap for me and Barbara and my family and Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne and so many of you. There's so many of you that I didn't even know she knew until she passed away. And you come to me. D, you're killing me. You're killing me right now. You're going to make me cry. I'm looking at D Kirschman because I didn't know my mama knew D. And D comes to me after my mama dies and says, my mama's been praying for her and her family for years. Spiritual heritage. Spiritual heritage. Me and Tom talk a good bit. That's why I asked you the question. Me and Tom talk a good bit about his 
father and his grandfather. How they loved God. How they served in the kingdom. His dad was a pastor in the Wesleyan denomination. And what came out of that? Tom McGarry. <laughs> Can anything good come out of the Wesleyan denomination? Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. Melly, Melly's parents, pastors and missionaries serving overseas, even today. A couple of weeks ago, I called, uh, I called the pastor of my wife's home church in Brookhaven. I don't even know the guy. I don't even know him. I still don't know his name. How smart am I? But I called the guy because I felt Holy Spirit told me to call him and encourage him because he is tilling in very difficult soil. And it didn't take no time before I got in that conversation. He's talking about Barbara's mom and Barbara's dad, Mr. Forrest, and the southern gentleman that he was and how they served in that church faithfully. And I thought about the spiritual heritage that was there and that is still in my wife today because there was something that was groomed and grown up through her mom and dad. How many times have we heard stories about Miss Edna and how she came to know Jesus and she would get up and walk to church and take her kids with her to church? Day in and day out, rain, shine, sleet, or snow, they were going to church. And we've heard those stories <laughs> about Miss Edna. What is that? There's a spiritual heritage. There's a spirit. Where's Nathan? There's a spiritual heritage. There's a spiritual heritage that's been grown up. Look, when you're going through a hard time, remember your spiritual heritage, but you say, Pastor Ron, I didn't grow up that way. Well, look, if you've been saved for more than five minutes, you've got a spiritual heritage. You do. You've got the family of God. You've got pastors. You've got friends. You've got people that care about you. If you've been saved for more than five minutes, you've got a spiritual heritage. You've got a point of reference that you can go back to and say, if they made it, I can make it. Y'all are killing me today. Hebrew word zakata. It means to remember. But it's a whole lot bigger than that because if I just look at the definition to remember, it doesn't do it justice. Because to remember is say, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I remember him. He was a good old guy. I remember him. I remember Big Cat. I remember him. He's a good old guy. It takes away from the value of it. The Hebrew word zakata literally means to remember and bring someone to mind and act on that person's behalf. Man, I love that. Because I don't just remember. I, I remember old George Brantley. He's a good guy, man. He was a good old boy. Man, he, he's from Winterhaven, wasn't he? Blonde hair. Used to have blonde hair. And, you know, I, I remember old George Brantley. That's just remembering him. Nothing wrong with that. But as Zechariah, memorization says, I remember Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne. They came to Gainesville 35 years ago and established the Rock of Gainesville. And there had to have been hard times, and they walked through that adversity, and the fruit of the kingdom of God remains. Come on, somebody. And if they can walk through that and have victory, so can I. Remembering, remembering. Where am I? Psalm 145, verse 4. Look at this. Psalm 145. One generation commends 
your works to another, and they will tell of your mighty acts. Mm. Mm. I want to do something. Can I, can, I, can I do something that's a little different? I'm going to give you a quote in just a second. You can put up there, guys, if you want. It's not a quote. It's something I wrote. It, it's, a, it's, it's a quote from a world-renowned speaker that comes to the rock every now and then. His name is Ron Hyatt. <laughs> but I wrote this down the other day, and what I was going to do when I wrote it down was get you to just listen to it as I read it to you. And yesterday morning as I was in my office, after I got the call, I was reading through my notes after I finished everything and put everything together, and I really felt Holy Spirit told me to do this, to have us all stand together and read this at a, as a prophetic declaration that we have been destined for such a time as this. And not just let me read it to you and say, well, that's really cute. That's, that's a nice little anomaly, Pastor Ron. No, I want us to stand together and position ourselves prophetically to read this and let it take root in the soil of our soul. So stand with me, if you will, and I'll lead you. Here we go. Position yourself. Don't just read words off a screen. Get your heart, your mind, your spirit in a position to receive this prophetically. Here we go. Let's read together. One, two, three. Decided that this time in history is perfect for me to glorify him and make an internal difference. So he gave me unique gifts, talents, and passions to propel me into a life of purpose. Huh? I was thinking the same thing. Pastor Suzanne read my mind. Let's do it again. Here we go. One, two, three. God decided that this, this time in history Amen. Come on, now give Jesus praise. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for humoring me. And let just take that with you and hold on to it. You're not, you're not going to remember the whole thing. That's okay. Remember this. You are destined for this particular time with gifts and talents to be propelled out of adversity into a life of purpose. So, number one, remember your spiritual heritage. Number two, write it down. Rekindle your spiritual gifts rekindle your spiritual gifts. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Go down here with me. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God, I'm sorry, fan into the flame, the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power love, and a sound mind or self-discipline. Fan that flame that's in you, man. You know what adversity wants to do? Adversity wants you to sit down and be quiet. Sit down and do nothing. Or be convinced that the gifts in you don't measure up. They're just not that great. Everybody else can do it better than you. And so what we do is we become complacent in our gifts, and we just felt, well, you know, I, I just don't feel like I need to do that. And, you know, I told you a couple of weeks ago, one of the things adversity does is shows us our weaknesses 
and our limitations. Now, we don't like talking about that. I don't want to tell you what my weaknesses are, even though it says in Scripture to boast of your weaknesses. Why boast in my weaknesses? Because in my weakness, He is made. So it's in adversity I realize my weaknesses, and I realize I'm not quite the spiritual giant I thought I was. Not quite as big and bad spiritually as I thought I was. And you know what? That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's why. Look at this principle. There is a time when becoming nothing is an improvement. <laughs> well, I feel edified, Pastor Ron. What's well, the truth? Hey, John said it this way. He's got to increase, therefore I must decrease. I've got to become, Paul said it this way, let me be emptied of myself. Emptied of myself. See, here's what happens, guys. Unless that happens and I realize my weaknesses, I feel like I'm living in this world of this spiritual utopia, and it's an ecclesiastical tiptoe through the tulips, and everything is great, and everything is hunky, and I created this wonderful world, and so everything's fine. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to settle right here. I'm going to settle in. I'm going to get me a box of Little Debbie peanut butter bars. And I'm going to get in my spiritual recliner. And I'm going to put my pajamas on. And I'm just going to stay here for a while. It's called settling. Nothing more contrary to the kingdom of God than we could preach on this morning. It's contrary to God's kingdom. Why? Because He is a God of increase. He's a God of moving forward. I want to tell a story. Well, it's a biblical story, so that counts, right? I'm going to tell it. Exodus chapter 13, the nation of Israel just experienced one of the greatest miracles known to mankind. They got to the Red Sea and they're standing in water, there's water here, there's mountains on both sides, and the Egyptian army behind them, and they stood there and said, what do we do, God? God said, let me show you what I'm going to do. Boop, boom. And they walked across on dry land. They just experienced one of the greatest miracles in history, and they got to the other side, and they sang a quick song, who is like unto thee, O Lord among the gods, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, able to do exceeding wonders, who is like unto thee, O Lord. And they kind of sat there for a minute. And then they said, God, what do we do now? I like this place. We could just stay here for a while. God said, go forward. Don't sit there. Hey, don't, don't sit in your victory. Success is one of the most dangerous places we can be. Because again, we start thinking a little highly of ourselves. When I settle, here it is, I gotta hurry up. When I settle, write it down, number one. When I settle, I find a place of least resistance. I wanna kinda sit there and enjoy. Number two, when I settle, I think my opinion rules. When I settle, my mistakes are not costly. When I settle, I find no victory. Why? Because there's no battle going on. 
Pastor started this thing off about a month ago saying there is no victory without a battle. So I'm going to have to have a battle so I can have victory because without the battle, there's not going to be any victory in my life. Why? Because I'm settling here and just sort of enjoying life and God's saying, go forward. Go forward. Say it out loud. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God didn't give you that gift to serve yourself. God gave you that gift to serve the body of Christ. Here it is. And if I'm not using my gift in the, in the church, then something God wants done is being ignored. It's, hey, look, guys. We, we can all do similar things, but nobody can do it like you. There's people that help Pastor Ed back in Jam. But come on, give me a break. Can you imagine Jam without Pastor Ed? I love that guy. Now you talk to him, he'll make you tired in about two minutes. <laughs> he will. But I love him to death, man. And, and there's, there's many of you that serve in Jam. I'm looking at you, Josh, that you've served in Jam through the past. I understand that. There's many of you that served in Jam. I love that. But again, as wonderful as you are, could you imagine Jam without Pastor Ed? And if I'm not using my gift, and if you're not using your gift, then something in the church that needs to be done is being ignored. Proverbs, and then when we use our gift, Proverbs 18, 16, here it is. A gift, I love this, a gift, your gift, used properly, opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. You use your gift, he's going to move you into greatness. Not so that you can get puffed up, you understand that but move you into greatness. All right, so I'm going to remember my spiritual heritage. I'm going to rekindle my spiritual gifts. And number three, I, I like this one. I like this one. Refuse to be intimidated. Refuse to be intimidated. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 through 12. I'm going to skip down to verse uh, 12, guys. Let's hope you're following along. Let's go there. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed in, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. Bring it on, enemy. You ain't got a chance. You've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. I don't mean it arrogantly, because that's not my intention. But I just, I mean it sincerely. If the devil is trying to get into my house or my family, he's coming through me. He's coming through me. Why? Because, number one, I'm the priest of my home. Number two, I ain't afraid of him. Listen, Jesus, you're going to love this. I thought about this this morning as I was driving over here at 7 o'clock in the morning. This is hot off the presses. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Jesus is your advocate. He's your defense attorney. Your perakletas. You don't ever have to worry about addressing the enemy as long as you say whatever you want to say in the presence of your lawyer. 
Well, I like that a whole lot more this morning than you did. I'm not worried about addressing him, but I, but I address him in the presence of the Holy Spirit, not in my own power and my own account and my own ability. I address him in the presence of God Almighty, and he backs me up because he is Jehovah God. Mm. What, what? Numbers chapter 13. How much time do I have? Numbers chapter 13. The nation of Israel was about to go into the promised land. And as they're about to go into the promised land, they're literally on the border, and they send the spies in to check out the promised land. And they go in there, and one of the first tribes they run into is the tribe of the sons of Anak. The word Anak literally means long-necked men. They were called giants in Scripture. The word Amialek literally means berating spirit, berater. So here's, get this picture in your mind. The nation of Israel is trying to go in and seize what is rightfully theirs, and there is a berating spirit coming against them saying, you can't come in here. Not only are they saying, you can't come in here, these long-necked men are standing over them trying to intimidate them and saying, you can't come in here. You're not worthy. You don't measure up. But the land's already been given to us. You don't measure up. So they go back and they tell the story. They say, we can't go in there, man. There's some freaks of nature in there, baby. Some, those guys are big. They're the same size as Pastor Ron. <laughs> can't go in there. And that was the consensus of most of them. Except for two. We are going in to seize what is rightfully ours. We're going to go in and take what is rightfully ours. Those are the two I want to hang out with. Come on, somebody. Those are the two I want to hang out with because they refused to be intimidated. What's the goal of intimidation? To make us give up our authority, thereby rendering our gifts inoperative. See, there's two forms of authority. There's legitimate authority and illegitimate authority. Legitimate authority comes from the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. Illegitimate authority comes from the enemy, and it, it is intimidation, domination, and manipulation. And that's illegitimate authority from the enemy trying to manipulate you and intimidate you and me to not operating in the gifts that are, are rightfully ours. So i got to refuse, regardless, guys, regardless of the berating spirit that's looking at me, I've got to refuse to be intimidated. Regardless, is it good or is it bad? doesn't matter. You've got to write this down. It's easy to be confident as long as God is doing what we expect Him to do. Piece of cake. God's doing exactly what we thought He would do. My confidence is at an all-time high. But what happens... When I'm in that place of loneliness, of desolation, of adversity, and I don't feel the presence of God, what happens to my confidence then? Well, it can wane if I allow it, but if I refuse to be intimidated by the lie of the enemy, my confidence stays up, and I say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And I'm marching on to victory. I use David as an example couple of weeks ago 
about he went from shepherd to warrior when a giant by the name of a giant adversity by the name of Goliath came in and he wrote these words Psalm 27 1 and you know what Psalm 27 was written at one of the darkest times of David's life you know what was going on he had been betrayed by his own son he had been chased out of the city he was supposed to be ruling and he had men chasing him around the outside of the gates so he's going through a pretty difficult time he's going through a time of adversity Psalm 27 here's what he writes the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid that's what happens when we refuse to be intimidated so real quick what is adversity's answer what does adversity create? Well, it creates fear, doubt, and unbelief if our perspective is not correct. It creates fear, doubt, and unbelief. Now, I'm, it, so let me say it this way. Adversity creates fear. Can I say it that way and be fair to you? Come on, somebody. Come on, answer me. Is that okay? Now, I'm a real big believer in fighting with opposites in spiritual warfare. I fight lust with love. I, pri I fight pride with humility. I fight the fear of man with the fear of the Lord. So adversity's answer is the fear of the Lord. Because as I walk in a reverent place of the Father, I'm walking through adversity. Because here's what the fear of the Lord does. Number one, write it down. It positions my heart to receive. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, speaking of Jesus, said he received because of his reverent submission. Number two, it assures me of God's great goodness. Psalm 31, 19. His goodness is abundant toward me. His life is overflowing. Number three. You know, real quick, real quick. There's a lot of things that I can over-exaggerate. I'm not, I'm not confessing that I have a lying spirit. I'm just telling you there's a lot of things that I can make bigger than what they are. I can over-exaggerate a lot of things. I can over-exaggerate that Ole Miss is going to win the national championship. I can over-exaggerate I got a million dollars in my bank account. There is one thing that I will never, ever, ever be able to over-exaggerate, and that is the goodness of God. Because no matter how big I make it in my mind, the Bible says that He is, does exceedingly, abundantly, more than I could ever think. I never over-exaggerate the goodness of God. Number three, it provides wisdom and understanding. Proverbs 9, verse 10. Fear is the, beginning of, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge brings forth His understanding. And then the last one. I'm about to quit, so i got to say it, right? I, I like this one. You're going to like it too. The fear of the Lord results in complete satisfaction. While the world is clamoring for satisfaction, we have it through the Father heart of God. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to a good life. Man. Stand with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for the power of your word today. 
Father, I thank you for how great and awesome you are in our lives. Father, I thank you that no matter what comes at us, even as I told the prayer team this morning, we'll walk through the waters and we're not going to be drowned. We'll walk through the fire and we're not going to be burned because of the goodness of our God. And so I thank you, Lord, for your awesome word today. I give you praise for the truth of your word. We're not up here giving myths and ideology and philosophy. We're up here giving the power of the infallible word of God that will not return void in our lives. Every head bow, every eye closed, just for a second. You're here today, and you say, Pastor Ron, I'm going through that time of adversity, that challenge. Life has been, mm. And unlike many people in this room, I'm suspecting like them, I don't have anywhere to turn because I don't have Jesus in my life. Well, that can be fixed right now. That can be changed right now. You can go through anything you face and have a place to turn and find an answer because of Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior. And so if you're here this morning, real quickly, not going to take long, but if you're here this morning and say, Pastor Ron, I'm going through that time, been going through it, I feel like there's no quit in it. And I don't have Jesus in my life. I need a place to turn, so I need Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, my Savior and my Lord. Would you please pray for me? Put your hand up right where you are. Yes. 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 Thank you so much. You can put it down after you've raised it. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. The whole congregation is going to pray with you and for you. And here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to lead you in prayer, and you're going to, out of your heart, say what we all say together because the Bible makes it real simple. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again, and you will be saved. Real simple, real simple. So we're going to all do it together because we love you and believe in you. And thank you so much for being so bold enough to raise your hand this morning. So everybody in this room, let's pray together. Here we go. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you now to forgive me of my sins. I'm making a declaration that I have made mistakes and I want that to change. And I want Jesus to become my Savior and my Lord. I am saying right now, I'm letting go of my ways, my opinion, my double-mindedness, and I am becoming single-minded and following the ways of Jesus. Jesus, be my Savior and my Lord. Accept me into the wonderful family of the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.